like we never left. It's Double Let's Move go. Sports. Y'all already know what it is. As always, I'm Stuff Out Bureau. I'm here with my guy, the fantasy phenom, the bachelor this week, Alex Lott. What's up, man? Say what's up to the people. Take your oh, pre-victory lap. Might not see you for a while. Yeah, I'm uh, getting married this weekend, so... Saturday is the big day, getting hyped right now. You know, fantasy football is definitely going on the back burner this weekend. Hopefully we'll catch a couple of games games, um, on Sunday. But Steph, I'm feeling good from last week too. It looked like a really tough week for me. I know in one league we played each other. I went zero RB this year and had Devontae (laughs) Adams, Julio Jones. My team was absolute garbage. But I pulled out a miracle on Tuesday night football. I... I was up 16. I won't get too far into it. I was up 16 going against Derrick Henry and Bills D. Derrick Henry got 19, but Bills D got negative four. So I pulled out a miracle dub. So I'm feeling pretty good here today. I feel like I got blessed with a win there last night. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Uh, You know, you might feel blessed with that win. I'm, I'm feeling blessed because I started Justin Herbert in two leagues and it paid off tremendously over other streaming options. I was looking at Fitzmagic. I was looking at... Kirk Cousins, maybe some Jimmy G action. I went with Justin Herbert, and it was fantastic. Big He's probably going to be on my team for, for a little while here. Now, we got an interesting week coming up here in week six. As you guys can tell, we're, we're only putting out one episode this week. And so we're going to do a half recap of week five and half a week six matchup and preview episode. This week on by, we have the Raiders, the Saints, the Chargers, and the Seahawks. So a lot of fantasy players that you were probably plugging in every single week alvin Kamara, dk metcalf russell wilson anybody on the chargers anybody on the raiders darren waller hmm. all of these guys are not in play so you don't have to keep your eyes on the waiver wire hit us with those start sick questions down in the comments below or hit us up on twitter at double move sports if you like what we're doing here on the show a like and subscribe is always appreciated as well it means a ton for us but let's get into this, man. Breaking news, the top headline around the league right now is Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell has been released by the New York Jets, and really he can go anywhere. The Jets are still having to pay off a little bit of his contract, so his bills are taken care of, at least for the next uh, little bit here. What are your thoughts on Lev Bell in terms of landing spots and fantasy value? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, first of all, the Jets... Tr- they came out that they were trying to trade him, and about four hours later, they came out that they were going to cut him. So, you know, they didn't really try very hard, or they realized no one was interested at all, at least in a trade. But it's interesting, Steph. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, I, I can't help but think this is going to be good for his fantasy value. And yes, landing spot does matter. But with the Jets, it was pure volume, and the upside was really capped. And the upside, I mean, the floor wasn't even really there this year so far. I've been struggling with an injury. Adam Gase clearly hates him. So I, I think this can't hurt bell in the long run i mean it stinks like for me i had bell and i was gonna have to plug him in for some of these bye weeks as a floor play i'm not gonna have that i'm gonna have to kind of wait and see but i'm not gonna trade him unless i can get decent value there's that upside in the unknown that you always like to say and by the time you all are listening to this he could have already signed with the team i mean as of right now he's eligible to sign doesn't have to clear any waiver period so he could sign you know in the night if he if he wants to and be on a team as early as sunday i doubt he's gonna play this week but Yeah, I think for me, there's a couple of teams that stand out. The one that's been talked about the most that I think would be a great landing spot for him in fantasy and that makes sense is the Chicago Bears. You look at what David Montgomery's doing, it's just a 
a single-headed backfield. I mean, Cordero Patterson is getting a couple of reps as well. But they lost Tariq Cohen to an injury. That pass-catching role. They're four and one. They're competing. They need a spark in this offense. They need some help. I think Le'Veon Bell going there would make sense for the Bears because they could sign him on a cheap veteran deal. They could fill that pass-catching role of Tariq Cohen and maybe give him some carries on the ground as well and help out David Montgomery. What do you think about that one, Steph? Yeah, that seems like probably the most likely one. Actually, more than likely. He's probably going to end up on that on a team that we didn't even expect. He's going to come into the woodwork and try to sign him. I got to imagine he's got to be going to a team that's trying to win now. One that <clears throat> needs a veteran that they're not going to invest a ton of money in. And one where he can go and try to win a ring and compete this year. I think after his Jets experience post-Pittsburgh, uh, he's probably wanting to get back to kind of a fun winning environment. And I, I could totally see that, you know, you think of the Chiefs, you think of Tampa Bay. I don't think he's going to go to either the of those Patriots teams. are always in play. That's, that's the really interesting one. I don't know if it's going to happen. It, you know, we know Belichick has a, has a hankering for grabbing these veterans that nobody wants on dirt cheap deals and turning them into studs. See Cam Newton as the prime example of that right now. So if maybe Le'Veon Bell does go to New England. I think that'd be a great fit. I think anywhere that he goes is going to see a bump to his fantasy value. I mean, in 2019, Le'Veon Bell's longest play was 19 yards. It was a 19-yard reception. And this man saw over 300 total touches. That was insane. He had like 70 uh, receptions. Uh, I'm sorry, 70 targets. He had 200-something carries. Like He was getting so much volume, but only 3.8 yards per carry. Only three touchdowns on that volume. And I was expecting some regression in both of those categories with the Jets bringing in Makai Becton in the draft and making some other moves. Uh, before the Jets... Le'Veon Bell was a top three fantasy back for four seasons. I think anywhere that he goes is going to be an upgrade. My personal favorite, like my wish list, if I could choose where he lands, I think it'd be Arizona. Um, just kind of take over. Like I know we're seeing Chase Edmonds emerge, and, and I've been all over Chase Edmonds. I was plugging him into lineups last week, and that paid off really, really well. It was my deep shot of the week last week. But I would love to see Le'Veon Bell go to Arizona, bring uh, some you know veteran pass-catching skills. <laughs> And yeah, get get Drake out of there. He's not producing. And another one, last one I'll kind of throw out here is, wouldn't you love to see Le'Veon Bell reunite with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Am I the only one that wants that? Probably not. That would be great. I don't even know if Pittsburgh fans want it. They probably do at this point because they need something else in that backfield. A a pass catcher that Connor's can go and make plays. And James Conner has been fine, but I don't think anything that he's done has been extremely exceptional. Um, whereas Le'Veon Bell gives you a little bit of that, if nothing else, through the air. Uh, would be an upgrade for them. So that's another one that I like. Uh, anything else that needs to be said here on this Le'Veon Bell situation? It's kind of one that we just need to monitor. Breaking news could hit any moment. Here's what we need to say. If you're in a league and someone sees that Le'Veon Bell got cut and they cut him to waivers, pick him up because wherever he signs, he's going to have some sort of value. Some of these landing spots are better than others. But I think minimum, if he signs back with the team, he's going to have a role and be an RB3 that you can plug in. Best case scenario he goes to the Chiefs. He goes to the Bears. I think the Bears, he might have the most workload. And if he goes to a team where he can get five, six targets a game and get eight to 10 carries a game, that's going to give you RB2 value because he should be more efficient with it than he was in New York. So that's my big takeaway. If you've got him, hold him unless someone blows you away with an offer. And if he's cut to waivers, by all means, go pick him up. Now, is there a world where he doesn't sign 
maybe the next month, kind of see a Devonta Freeman situation where he waits, sees to where the opening develops, and then goes and signs there? Uh, I mean, it's possible. I see him signing here in the next seven to 10 days. He seems eager to sign with a new team. There's plenty of teams that could use someone like Le'Veon Bell on a cheap deal, um, even if he is in a backup role. So I think he's going to go somewhere. Um, but again, I don't think he's going to be a bench clogger for four weeks, but four weeks from now, he's done it on a team. Maybe you can cut him at that point. So let's talk about some must stash players so far going into week six. These are guys that whether they're by lows, whether they're guys that are out there on waivers, players that we need to keep an eye on guys that you can make a move for. That you need to be investing in right now. I'm not saying go all in and just trade away all your good players for some of these names, but I think based on how the market is valuing them and how fantasy players in general are valuing them, hasn't necessarily caught up to where they're at. Let's talk about a few of these here. And the first one goes back to that game on Sunday between Dallas and the New York Football Giants. It's Andy Dalton. You know, every everybody's very heartbroken for Dak Prescott, me included. Outside of, you know, just from a non-fantasy perspective, this is, is terrible to see. This is a guy that was playing lights out, um, has been an off-the-field role model, talking about mental health, things like that. He's been a very positive influence. And I think everyone has really jumped on the bandwagon. I know some Dallas fans were kind of skeptical once Romo left. If, Do we really like Dak? Do we think he's good? Um, he was really turning everyone around and everyone was on his side. And then you see an injury like this happen, a brutal injury. Definitely going to be out for the rest of the season. Hopefully he comes back next year and is just 100%. But now we got Andy Dalton coming back into the fold. And to me, he's he's a guy that's a streaming option this week. I'm willing to pick him up right away and plug him in because the weapons that Dallas has is incredible. It's the best weapons group that Andy Dalton's ever played with. And the thing with Andy Dalton, I know a lot of Bengals fans, and, and they said this back when, when he was there. He said They said, Andy Dalton's not a quarterback that's going to you know, elevate all the players around him. He's not going to take a bad team and make it a good team. But what he can do is step into a situation where there's a lot of good players around him and he can operate in the offense and he can be, you know, a decent quarterback. He's not great. He's not a game breaker, but he's a guy that when you put him in the right situation, he can execute. And I think that's what we're going to see here out of Andy Dalton. So he's a streamer for me. Uh, are you in on that, Alex? Yeah, man, a hundred percent. He's a streamer. I mean, look at what Dak Prescott was doing in this offense with volume. I mean, obviously Dak is an elite talent at the quarterback position, so I don't think Dalton's going to come in and put up the production Dak Prescott was seeing, but his volume should be the same or very similar. Maybe they rely on Zeke a little bit more, but Andy Dalton as a streaming option. I, I love it. I think he's going to throw the ball a ton. He's got the best weapons group he's had in his career, like you said, and maybe one of the best in the NFL right now. And people act like Andy Dalton was just absolute garbage last year. It was a tough year for the Bengals last year. Andy Dalton actually wasn't that bad. I mean, he averaged 16.7 fantasy points per game in the games that he played. No, that's not, you know, winning you weeks, but it's not terrible either. And that was with no A.J. Green. That was in a trash situation in Cincinnati where they were clearly just tanking to get a quarterback who ended up being Joe Burrow. So you look at Andy Dalton, he's not a bad quarterback. This was a great move for him in his career. Even if Dak would have never got hurt, just serve as a backup, wait for another opportunity to open up. And Andy Dalton is a starting quarterback in this league. He did it for a long time. And with Dalton, you see all these quarterbacks like Joe Flacco and especially the older guys now with like Rivers. And we saw it with Peyton Manning when his career was coming to an end. You see them start to decline and kind of fall off a cliff. With Andy Dalton, yeah, his performance was kind of sketchy, but it was more of a team situation in Cincinnati. They were going through a rebuild. His numbers weren't that dramatically worse. 
And he's only 32 years old. He's still got plenty of juice in that arm. So I think he's going to be able to spread the ball around to these, these receivers with the volume he's going to get. You can pick him up, stash him on your bench, um, and in the right matchups, you can throw him out there. And he's sneaky for some work on the ground as well, just like Dak Prescott was. Uh, but let's talk about another guy that I think needs to be stashed. If He might actually end up on some waiver wires here as he's entering his bye. It's kind of unfortunate that after we see this explosion game, they're going right into the bye week. I'm trying to keep him as a guy who has, a, has Cam Newton in a lot of leagues and then plugged in Justin Herbert this week. He was my start of the week at quarterback last week. It's Justin Herbert. Had an absolutely phenomenal game on Monday Night Football against New Orleans on the road. 27 fantasy points. Completed 20 of his 34 pass attempts for 264 yards and threw four touchdowns on the day. Also had a couple rushes in there for eight yards. So Justin Herbert, man, he, he's legit. And now he's gone over 20 fantasy points. Three out of the four games that he started. The other, only other time that he didn't hit 20, he was at 15 fantasy points. That didn't kill your week. Obviously, it's not what you're looking for, but I'm all in on Justin Herbert, man. I think we've seen enough to say in, in these matchups, even in bad matchups, you can still plug him in. I don't think anyone looked at New Orleans as a super soft matchup that was an auto start. Uh, but upcoming on the schedule, he has some really good matchups. After the bye, he has Jacksonville. Then he plays against Denver, uh, the Raiders, Miami, New York, and then Buffalo. So not any like super scary matchups, no you know, New England's on there. He does have New England in week 13. But I think in the interim, Justin Herbert's a guy you can pick up and plug in if you need a quarterback. Yeah, he should be he should be rostered. It is tough with the bye. So if you don't want to carry two quarterbacks, maybe you try to wait until next week. But this might be a sneaky time to pick him up because he does have that bye week. Steph, he's actually quarterback eight right now in terms of points per game, averaging 22.5 points per game right behind Cam Newton. He's in front of Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. If you would have told me Justin Herbert was averaging more points per game than Lamar Jackson through five weeks, I would have thought you were crazy. So, you know, <laughs> he's putting up the production. And he's got an absolute cannon of an arm. Looks like Keenan Allen's going to be fine. He should be rostered, Steph. I, I have no problem holding a second quarterback to keep Justin Herbert on my bench. Let's talk about another rookie that is slowly emerging. And I feel like the box score didn't necessarily represent how active he was. It's T. Higgins. For the Cincinnati Bengals with AJ Green rumors that he's going to get traded. Now, a lot of that, that the trade rumors on AJ Green were based off of a clip of him talking on the sideline. I haven't seen anything actually come out from the team or from like Adam Schefter or anything like that. To me, that's a little bit of hearsay saying, oh, they're just going to try to move AJ Green or AJ Green's all out on this team. He hadn't. Hey, you heard it here first on Double Move Sports, man. That take sounds familiar from last week. Hey, you were you were spot on with that. First, you called Leonard Fournette. Now you're on the AJ AJ Green call. So kudos to you. But are you willing to pick up who I see as AJ Green's replacement in this offense? It's T. Higgins, who was on the field for 81% of snaps, had only 10 fantasy points. So this is to me, this is a point where you can buy low on him. He didn't have the touchdown after having that two touchdown performance in week three, where he put up 21 fantasy points. Are you willing to go out and buy T Higgins? I've sent out trade offers for him in almost all my leagues. Yeah, you he's got to be picked up. And I think you can even start to flex him. I mean, tough matchup this week at Indianapolis. But T Higgins is getting the targets. He's getting the snaps last four games, six targets, nine targets, seven targets, eight targets. T Higgins is A.J. Green in this offense. He is 
performing the role that we expected AJ Green to have if healthy this season, it's going to T Higgins and that's going to continue to shift. I, you know, with Joe Burrow, with this young team, I see them continuing to want to keep these young pieces on the field more. I don't see AJ Green coming and getting that spot back. So this is T Higgins um, and Tyler Boyd to me and Joe Burrow's looked great. I mean, tough matchup against Baltimore last week, but for the most part, Burrow's been solid. He's putting up a lot of volume in this offense. T Higgins is an absolute pickup and he should be in lineups. He can be in lineups. I'll say he can be in lineups. Just his fifth game with a shortened preseason and already seeing a 27% target share in this offense. You're going to want to go out and get T Higgins. And that game last week was against Baltimore. They do have another tough matchup against Indy here in week six, but see if you can buy low on T Higgins, even if you can't get them before this Indianapolis game, uh, you know, Indy's been a shutdown defense so far this year, so you may be able to get them again before mm-hmm. they go on a tear with Cleveland, Tennessee. And there's some other tough matchups in there, but Higgins, you got to pick him up as a guy who could take over as a, you know, could be a potential league winner if he really is the alpha X wide receiver. We know he has the pedigree to do it and the profile and the production from Clemson. So moving on here, talking about, oh no, it, it it's happened, Alex. Are we seeing it already? Dalvin Cook. We knew it was coming. Injured in this game on Sunday night against Seattle. Has one of the highest fragility ratings among running backs up there with the likes of James Conner. So is, is, is Alexander Madison, I feel like this is a pretty clear answer here. Alexander Madison needs to be picked up and put into lineups. If he's out on waivers, you probably missed your window to get him if you didn't already after waivers have cleared. I know in some leagues, waivers have been pushed back a day. So maybe you're hearing this before then. But regardless, Alexander Madison, are you just plugging him in yes. as just saying, look, this is Dalvin Cook light. I'm willing to ride it out. Yeah, I mean, we said it in the season. He has to be on rosters for this exact reason. And it just happens to be, you know, coming up in a matchup with the Atlanta Falcons who are terrible against the run against the pass against everything. So Alexander Madison (laughs) should absolutely dominate in this game. I mean, you look at what he did coming in for cook last week against Seattle, 20 carries, 112 yards had three catches for 24 yards through the air. This is Dalvin cook light. And it's like, would you start Dalvin cook against the Falcons? If so, you should start Alexander Madison against the Falcons. So unless you have like, and there's buys this week with, you know, players like Kamara, Josh Jacobs. So I, I honestly can't imagine a team that should that has running backs that are going to be a better play than Alexander Madison this week. Like, there's just no chance he should be on your bench. He should be picked up in starting lineups if you've got him. Now, in a desperation situation, are you willing to plug in Mike Boone no. as well? He did get in. He only had two attempts, 6% of snaps. I'm seeing some love for him, like, on social media and stuff. He's a stash. Maybe a deep desperation. He's another stash. I mean, the thing with Mike Boone, we saw him get some run last year, but it's like that was with Madison Hurt as well. So he's kind of like the double handcuff. So now we are seeing Cook already banged up. Maybe you stash him in a deeper league, and if something happens to Madison or Boone comes out and suddenly is getting 50%, 60% of this work, maybe if Cook misses more time, he gets interesting then. But right now, you know, I'm out. Maybe in Dynasty you can stash him as well. But you're not wanting to start Mike Boone this week. Just, Just too risky. You know, who knows? He could get five carries in this game. Let's talk about the guy that ended week five as the wide receiver two on the week, like we all projected it, right? It's Travis Fulgham. Oh, of course. My boy, Travis. Practice squad legend after moving from Detroit Lions over to the Philadelphia Eagles and then activated after all these injuries that they're having yet again to Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Ragor is now hurt. So Fulgham has stepped in and 
I think Fulgham's legit. I, I think he's worth a waiver ad. I think a lot of people are going to go out and try to get the guy who finished number one in week five, Chase Claypool. To me, I'd rather get Travis Fulgham for half the price and be a guy that I can plug in right away, at least until Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson come back and are healthy. Even then, how much healthier are Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey going to be when they return? We're seeing Zach Ertz kind of fizzle out, looks washed this year. So for Travis Fulgham, a guy that absolutely dominated, had 31 fantasy points in just his second start with the Eagles, had 13 targets, caught 10 of them for 152 yards and a touchdown. Is he a guy that you're willing to pick up right away and, and plug in? Because I definitely am. Absolutely not. I mean, listen, Steph, I get it. Great week, and you're wow. right. I think he's proven he can get it done. I mean, two weeks ago, he had the big touchdown against San Francisco. Last week, he obviously had the explosion game. They're playing the Ravens this week. I don't want to start Travis Fulgham against the Baltimore Ravens. That's a nightmare matchup. And honestly, you know, two weeks from now, they got the Giants and the Cowboys. So those Giants and Cowboys matchups are great. But to me, I think in two weeks, we're either going to see Deshaun Jackson or Alshon Jeffrey back into this lineup. And when they're back, I just don't see Fulgham getting the same number of snaps and targets. And Goddard's going to be back eventually as well. You mentioned Jalen Rager. So maybe he has value here for the next three weeks. The Eagles do have a week nine bye. After that, I definitely think two, three, maybe four of these other options are going to be back in the offense. But yeah, I just don't want to start him against Baltimore if if the other guys do linger and they're not back by that Giants game or by the Dallas game. I'm willing to throw him in a flex, but I just don't want to go spend all my fab on someone who's going to be maybe a one or two week flex and doesn't have full season value. I, I have Fulgham valued a lot higher than you do. I, I think he's a guy that they want to use. Do you think he's going to remain a starter? I think he's a guy that unless both come back and are fully healthy, which I think is a big if, Alshon Jeffrey, we don't even know if he has any juice left. Travis Fulgham can take over on that offense. It's going to be cheap for the Eagles to keep him around. They were moving him all over the formation. He has a diverse skill set. Uh, he played 32% of his snaps from the slot. All the other ones, he was lined up outside. So they're willing to put this guy anywhere. And in just two games played, he's commanding a 26% target share for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think this, they found a diamond in the rough in Philadelphia. They let the genie out of the bottle. I don't know if they're going to be able to put him back in there. Who knows? Maybe this is just a splash in the pan and Fulgham will go back to irrelevancy. But if I went and got him off the waivers, I think I'm willing to start him. And long-term, whether it's a dynasty league, redraft league, whatever, he's a guy that I just want to have stashed because I think he does have tremendous upside here. Don't sleep on Fulgham. He's been absolutely balling out. 11th on the year already in yards per reception. Fifth in yards per target. Number one. Now, I know it's a small sample size, but Travis Fulgham is number one right now amongst all wide receivers and yards per route run. And he's doing a lot with the volume that he is getting, which is already high. I mean, so, he's played two games. Yes, I know. And one of them, he had I know it's a lot, targets, but we're, we're so not I, seeing I, that from John Hightower. We're not seeing that from Greg Ward. Travis Fulgham is, is now the one on that team as far as I'm concerned. And they were willing to no, plug him. Steph, Travis Fulgham. No, 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 no. He is Demarcus Robinson from last year. Remember when Robinson had that huge three touchdown game exploded and everyone rushed to the waiver wire to pick him up? And now he's nothing more than like a deep league desperation play at best. That is what Travis Fulgham is. This is like, I just don't see sustained production from him. And we're going to be able to see who's right and wrong. But we definitely disagree on this one. I'm not saying you're going to get sustained production. I'm just saying he's a diamond in the rough that could end up being close to a, not a league winner, but a guy that can save your season if you're in a tough spot. Let's talk about two guys that are more relevant. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's a buy low to me right now. 
After a, a, uh, we thought this was the game, right? We thought this was the explosive game. I was like all over Clyde Edwards-Alaire in DFS. I thought he was super chalk there. Only put up 11 fantasy points against a great matchup in the Raiders. Kansas City actually ended up losing this game. It was a close one all throughout. The entire time I was waiting for the CEH explosion, he did have a four-yard touchdown reception that was called back by penalty. And for that reason, I want to get my hands on CEH. He was If he gets that touchdown, the entire narrative has changed around. And CEH is giving you the production that you wanted. I'm willing to buy him in a lot of spots. I was tempted to move my Devontae Adams for another guy's Clyde Edwards earlier. I didn't end up doing it, but I at least considered it because CEH is going to eat this year. Yeah, no, it's a buy low window. I mean, obviously keep an eye out for um, what happens with Le'Veon Bell because if he goes to the Chiefs, I think that's going to be a big problem for CEH's value. He'll certainly still be a good player and you'll be able to start him on a week to week basis, but that would cut into some of the volume that he's getting. But CEH, I mean, he's given you a really high floor so far and he's just scratching the surface of what he can do. I mean, through five games has 81 carries. So that's about 16 carries per game. He's also getting five over five targets a game. So he's getting work on the ground. He's getting work through the air on the best offense in football he had the the big touchdown run in week one, but that's been it. And I would expect CEH to start getting into the end zone more. So you look at his production and, you know, for where people draft him, they're probably a little bit disappointed. But to me, the, the arrow is pointing up for CEH because, you know, all the math checks out. Like we talked about opportunity and talent. He's got the best opportunity and the best offense in football was a first-round pick, incredibly talented player. CEH is going to get things going, and all it's going to take is one explosion week, two touchdown, 30-point performance for CEH, and he's going to become untouchable. So go get him now while you have the chance. Last guy we'll talk about here as a guy you need to get on rosters right now, and it's Michael Gallup. He's in a buy-low window as well. I've seen a lot of trades on Twitter that you guys are DMing us or mentions down in the comments. People are cutting them. People are either dropping Michael Gallup. They think that with Dak Prescott out of the lineup, all the Cowboys receivers are going to see a downtick. I could see a situation where Michael Gallup actually becomes more relevant than he was with Dak. Yes, because you look at what happened. I mean, this is such a small sample size. This is just projecting at this point. But when Dalton came in, Gallup had those two big receptions on that last drive to keep the Cowboys in that game. So who knows the tendency and Gallup's getting the snaps. Gallup is on the field all the time. I'll pull up his snap counts here, but I want to say off the top of my head that he had like 97% yeah, of snaps You're right, 97%. Week. And he's been on the field more than C.D. Lamb and just as much as Amari. Yeah, he's out there. He's running routes. It's just a tendency thing for Dak Prescott. He looks to Cooper, and then he looks underneath to C.D. Lamb or checks it down. With Andy Dalton out there, he could look Gallup's way much more frequently. And people act like Michael Gallup's been a bust. Michael Gallup has more receiving yards this year than Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Is that insane to you? Yeah. Because that's insane to me. He has more receiving yards this year than... Than Robert Woods, than Devontae Parker. He's, you know, 10 yards behind Keenan Allen. Like people are talking about Tyler Lockett as a top 10 guy. Gallup has more receiving yards. I know he's not getting the targets or the receptions, but he's a big play guy. He's a big yards per catch guy. And if he starts getting a couple more targets coming his way, those are going to be high value targets because, because of what he does. And I'm I'm fine to flex Gallup. Like if he's on waiver wires, you should pick him up. And it absolutely is a buy low. You might be able to buy him incredibly low right now. Great points. Great points all across the board. Let's talk about another wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver. We're seeing these breakouts. It's almost an incremental thing at this point. Every single week, we're seeing a rookie wide receiver break out. 
Early on, we saw CeeDee Lamb. Then it was Justin Jefferson. This class is living up to the hype. It's man. unreal. And it's the wide receivers that outperform the running backs, as far as I'm concerned. After that Justin Jefferson explosion, we had guys like T. Higgins go off for over 20 fantasy points. We've seen things happening with Henry Ruggs, Chase Claypool. Both of those guys exploded last week. But let's talk about Henry Ruggs. How are you valuing Henry Ruggs right now in fantasy? Obviously, in dynasty, he's, he's pretty high. He has the draft capital. He he had the explosion in this game. We're seeing the way he's used in this offense. But for redraft purposes, are you in on Henry Ruggs? Because I'm starting to see him as like a, a Hollywood Brown type of receiver where it's limited volume. But when he gets that volume, you're going to be That's really That's what I was going to say. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's I literally was going to say exactly he's a Hollywood Brown. I mean, he's the number one on his team. He's in an offense that doesn't necessarily have a ton of passing volume. You'll, you'll actually argue that the Raiders do have more passing volume than Baltimore. And he's that downfield threat, that that boomer bust guy. And I, I do think of him as a Hollywood Brown, maybe a Hollywood Brown light in a way. But what we saw this week, like this is what he does. This is the upside he presents. Two catches, 118 yards and a touchdown. Week one before he did leave with that injury, he had you know three for 55 and also had a couple rushing attempts. So I think they're going to start working him in. Only the three targets this week, that's a little bit concerning. But I do think moving forward, when Ruggs gets healthy, this was his first game back after that injury, they're going to continue to work him in. He's on a bye this week, so people might you know, not pick him up on waivers after the big game. So it could be a really good opportunity to go ahead and stash him. But I'm in as a flex. I mean, he's right in that category of someone you throw in your lineup and you hope for the boom week. Yeah, he's going to disappoint. Sometimes it's not always going to be there because the volume isn't going to be there. But he's a very interesting pickup to me. And I, I really do like him. Yeah, I see even more upside for rugs than I do in Hollywood Brown because because of that volume. We know the Ravens are going to run the most in the league. They're on pace to do that. They did that last year. Whereas with Derek Carr right now, he's on pace to throw the ball 560 times. And when you give him some additional weapons like Henry Ruggs, they even have Brian Edwards in there who might emerge later on in the year. Uh, Carr's throwing it deep, and, and finally. Carr, well, at least, at least in this most recent game, we saw that. But he's on pace for 560 yeah. pass attempts. That's about where he's been. And multiple times throughout his career, in 2014, he was at 600 pass attempts. 2015, 570. In 2016, he threw 560. Um, even as recent as two, uh, 2018, he had 553 pass attempts. So we've seen him sustain that type of volume before. I think we could see it again this season. This Raiders team is very sneaky. I think they're ready to compete. We saw that. I mean, they took on the Chiefs head on and won with some clutch plays from their defense. But Henry Ruggs being out there, being able to stretch the field, he's going to be more than just a, a D threat that pulls away defenders. This guy's going to score touchdowns, and he's going to be able to do a lot with it. I'm pretty excited for Ruggs. He is going to be boom bust. Rookie wide receivers are extremely volatile. We're even seeing that from Justin Jefferson, who has even a more solidified role. Uh, but Ruggs has, for all intents and purposes, the full ability to take over this offense, be the guy there, even be like a Tyreek Hill as far as his ceiling goes, um, just on a, on a slightly worse offense. Yeah, Steph, I want to get a gut check and redraft for Henry Ruggs with some of these rookie wide receivers. I'll start out easy, and I just want you to let me know who you would take rest of season. We'll talk PPR here. Henry Ruggs or we'll start out easy, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, I'm going Ruggs there. Going Ruggs there easy. Yep. Henry Ruggs or T. Higgins. I'd probably go T. Higgins in this one just because I think Higgins has everything that Ruggs is going to have, plus then some because of the passing volume that's going to be there. Burrow's throwing in a ton. Ruggs or Chase Claypool? Oh, give me Ruggs all day there. I, I, and Claypool's going to be the hot waiver wire pickup this week. You can probably get Ruggs if he's out there for, you know, 
half of what you're going to have to pay for Claypool. Yeah, Claypool to me is the the classic like overpay off, you know, chase the points. And with Deontay Johnson out of the lineup, like it's very feasible that Claypool has a couple more startable weeks. But if Deontay Johnson comes back, I, I think we see Claypool um, be the number three on that depth chart. Anything else to add here on Henry Ruggs? Ruggs is only rostered in around 50% of leagues. He's going into the bye. Great opportunity to pick up a great high upside flex option this week. All right, now let's get into some running back start sits. Guys that, you know, you could be looking at putting in your flex spot, maybe guys that you might be questioning plugging in with some of the bye weeks and all the injuries that we've seen throughout this year. We'll start with some pretty chalk options and get a little bit deeper as we go along. The first one here is an auto start to me every single week, regardless of matchup, but he has a great one this week, and it's James Robinson against Detroit. Is he an auto start for you? He's an auto start. I mean, he's a top 10 running back right now in PPR. A little bit of a disappointing week last week. I mean, only 13 carries for 48 yards. Still got seven targets. The passing, uh, receiving work really made up for the, the low efficiency game on the ground. He's getting a ton of volume. He's involved in the passing game. James Robinson is an auto start. James Robinson could end the year as a RB1 just because he's game script proof. But with if they start losing, he's going to see the passing volume. If they're winning, it means he's rushing efficiently he's a and has a chance to get in the end Who zone. Knew? He's a workhorse. He, he's a workhorse back. And people are concerned about Divino Zigbo and Chris Thompson and Radko Armstead. I'm not concerned for them at all. We've seen enough now at this point to say that James Robinson is the guy. He has the skill set, and he's been doing fantastic for the volume that he's given as an undrafted free agent rookie that was thrown in. You know, when Leonard Fournette got cut two weeks before the season. But let's talk about another running back. You know, James Robinson coming off a disappointing performance. On the other end of the spectrum, we got Todd Gurley coming in at the the high end of this pers- uh, high end of the spectrum with 25 fantasy points. Only played on 57% of the snaps last week, but at 121 yards and a touchdown. Had 8.6 yards per carry on a super soft Carolina Panthers run defense. Are you plugging Todd Gurley back in yes. against Minnesota, which would be another soft matchup? Yeah, you don't sit him after the big game. He also had five targets in that game, which was great to see. This, you know, Falcons-Vikings game should be a shootout. Any game with the Falcons is a shootout. So if Gurley's going to start getting passing work, he's already gotten the work on the ground. And another guy who, believe it or not, is a top 12 running back right now thus far this season. So Gurley is still an auto star. I mean... <laughs> It feels nasty in a way. We were trying to say to sell there early on, but he just keeps scoring touchdowns, man. So until he proves you otherwise, you got to leave him in the lineup. As far as I can see here, not all the the over-unders are out yet, but that Falcons-Vikings game has one of the highest over-unders on the week, 54 and a half points Yo. tied there with that Arizona Cardinals-Dallas Cowboys game. So love Gurley in this matchup. We got a lot of good matchups, and that trickles down to another running back who's been emerging, also coming off a disappointing outing in week five it's antonio gibson who gets the new york giants we're seeing kind of this this turmoil this carousel of different quarterbacks that are coming in in that washington football team backfield it looks like kyle allen's going to be back to being the guy i'm plugging antonio gibson in no questions asked against the giants are you doing the same yeah i'll start him because of the matchup he's getting enough work right now to where he is an rb2 I mean, he kind of got game scripted out of this one, only had the 11 carries for 27 yards, but he still did see five targets and had five receptions on those targets. So if they're going to keep throwing to the running back, I know J.D. McKissick is there as well, but if they're going to keep throwing it to the running back, both of these guys are going to eat. So you leave Antonio Gibson in. There's a couple other guys that I think I would take over him in that range, but chances are you're not doing any better at your RB2 right now. So I'm fine to keep rolling out Gibson. Great matchup against the Giants. So how about David Johnson, who is up against Tennessee? They're eighth right now. 
against the run. So a little bit of a scary matchup here. They shut down Devin Singletary last week. We saw the emergence of TJ Yeldon on Tuesday night football. But for David Johnson, you know, he's really been a volume or floor play so far. I expected big things from him in that game against Jacksonville. was a super soft matchup, even with Duke Johnson coming back. And even with Duke Johnson back in the lineup, David Johnson still saw four targets. He saw 17 attempts and was actually running pretty efficiently at 17 attempts for 96 yards. That's 5.6 yards per carry. You wish he would have gotten the touchdown in this game. That probably would have saved his week. Would have given you, you know, 18 points as opposed to 12. But for David Johnson, the guy is really just a volume play in a tough matchup. Are you willing to plug him back oh, in yeah. there? I think I am. Yeah, you got to keep rolling him out. He's just an, he's a, one of those names that's just a steady, solid RB2 each and every week. And sometimes he's going to disappoint. But most of the time, he's going to give you enough volume to have a floor. Uh, he's, I mean, if he gets 15 carries and can get the three or four targets through the air, that's good enough to have a really solid game um, from a volume standpoint. And every now and then he's on a good offense. He's going to fall in the end zone as well. David Johnson probably not going to you know, explode for a massive, crazy game. Um, but I love him as a floor play and a really solid, steady, consistent RB2. So you got to keep rolling him out there. In a week with a lot of great matchups for running backs, David Johnson has one of the, the worst ones. But he's still a solid RB2. He's right now sitting at the 24th running back on the year in PPR leagues. I expect him to go up and kind of fall in the middle of that RB2 range. He's just a solid, steady, safe guy that you can plug in. Uh, outside of him, let's move to a little bit deeper options. Jarek McKinnon coming off an extremely disappointing game against the Miami Dolphins. I was expecting big things from McKinnon. I thought the passing work was going to be there. But Jimmy G didn't look like himself. C.J. Beathard was coming in. For Jarek McKinnon, who was only on the field for 25% of snaps, do you have the balls to plug him back in against the L.A. Rams on Sunday Night Football in Week 6? No, I don't want to. I, I mean, you know, part of me th thinks that that game they had was just a throwaway game. You know, they have so many injuries. Jimmy G's first game back, and they just got hit in the mouth and can never recover. So I kind of want to throw it out the window, but with McKinnon, I would much rather wait and see before I'm rolling him right back out there. I know he disappointed a lot of fantasy managers last week. And here's what I'll say about McKinnon. Something that concerned me even headed into last week against the Dolphins, I said if Raheem Mostert is back, I don't want to start Jerick McKinnon. And the reason why is we saw the two great weeks from McKinnon when Mostert was out. You know, 14 carries in each of those games, was seeing a ton of targets, averaged six targets a game while Mostert was out. But week one and two with Raheem Mostert active, McKinnon only had three carries in each of those games. He only had three targets a game in those games. So can you really start a running back that's going to get you like five, six touches, maybe has touchdown upside? No. So until we see McKinnon get that kind of workload with Mostert in the lineup, I'm kind of trying to avoid him. In week one and two, he was bailed out by touchdowns. So I'm kind of staying away. He gets the Rams next week, then the Patriots. So, I mean, a tough, tough sledding here for, for Jarek McKinnon. Um, and I'm leaving him on my bench for the time being. Yeah, I think I'm with you. You know, McKinnon's had touchdowns in his first four games. This is his first game that he didn't have a touchdown. I like McKinnon a lot rest of season, but for the next foreseeable future here for, for week six and seven, I'm trying not to start him if I can help it. And I want to see how things go, how the snaps here shake out with Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, both active um, in this game, you only saw one attempt on the ground. And when you see something like that, that's extremely alarming. He's just not going to be able to do it on that type of volume. I think he looks really explosive. I like him a lot. I've been trying to get him in some spots, but not looking to start him in week six against the Rams defense. That's 11th 
against running backs. Next one here on this list, two more to go through. The first one, we'll just kind of lump these guys together. And I think we're tempted to start both of them. It's Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, both with the Arizona Cardinals. Chase Edmonds was a deep shot of the week for me last week. Great pick. Absolutely went off. Had 20 fantasy points, only three rushing attempts and six targets, but he was making his hay through the air, had a rushing attempt. That was explosive. It was a 29-yard touchdown run. Looked great out there. I'm ready for Chase Edmonds to get the reins to this offense, but I don't know if that's going to happen with Kenyon Drake still there. But are you willing to go back to the well with Chase Edmonds in a matchup that should be should be fantastic for him against Dallas? Yeah. Yeah, I'll start both. It doesn't feel good, but I'm willing to start both. I mean, Edmonds is more of a flex option, and Drake, I think, is an RB2. It is a great matchup, and this is kind of a nasty comp, but I'm going to make it anyway, and it's not perfect. But this right now and the way the work is breaking down – is reminding me a little bit of the like James White Sony Michelle split that was happening in New England there for a while. Like Sony Michelle, clearly the um, runner in the offense, getting you know fifteen to twenty carries a game, might get a target or two sprinkled in there, and then James White, someone who was coming in getting six targets a game, and he might get a couple carries as well. That's how this this backfield is breaking down. I mean, Kenyon Drake right now is averaging over 16 carries a game. Unreal. But he only has six only has six targets on the entire season. And like you said, Chase Edmonds coming out, getting that receiving work, getting six targets in each of the last two games. And only, a, you know, three, four carries a week. But he's incredibly efficient with it. And with the receiving work, he's doing enough to be startable in PPR. Longest run against the Jets for Kenyon Drake was a 10-yard run. The, just the efficiency's not mm. there. I don't know if he's still Tough. hurt. Like, you know, remember preseason, he was walking around with a walking boot. Like, it makes me question if there actually was something there with the injury. I know a lot of people, myself included, disregarded that and expected a lot of things from Drake. But it, I think it's only a matter of time at this point. I don't know if it's going to happen even this season or in the next couple of weeks. I think Chase Edmonds is going to take over that backfield. Things are looking bleak for Kenyon Drake here, but I am willing to start him in this fantastic matchup. Let's talk about one more here. Devin Singletary, who got absolutely shut down by the Tennessee Titans. Only 4.3 fantasy points. Only played 64% of snaps with Zach Moss still out of the lineup. We saw TJ Yeldon come in and get some uses. He actually looked like the better back on the day. He did. Only one target in the game when, when they were trailing. So I figured that Singletary would be in for a great night. And I turned on the game towards the end. I was like, oh, great. Like Singletary broke off a big run towards the end of the game. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go check his box score. I'm sure he's been crushing it this entire game. And it turns out he had not. So are you willing to plug Singletary in against a tough run defense in Kansas City? I'm willing to, but I'm actually leaning sit on this one. Singletary is a little bit concerning for me. You know, a big a big piece of this is going to be whether or not Zach Moss plays. I mean, week one and two when Zach Moss was active, Singletary was playing less than 60% of snaps. Weeks three and four when Singletary had some good games, Zach Moss was out, was up in the, the upper 80s in terms of snap counts. This week we saw Yeldon get incredibly involved when they were trailing. Yeldon got three targets. Singletary only got one. That doesn't make sense to me. So if Zach Moss is back, he's going to take some rushing work on the ground, a little bit of receiving work maybe goal line work. We know what Josh Allen does on the goal line as well. So I'm trying to bench Singletary if I can. But with bye weeks and things, you know, if you have to plug him in there, I don't think you should fade him for, you know, some option off the waiver wire or, you know, some incredible stretch. But if I have another option, I'm definitely willing to sit Devin Singletary against the Chiefs. Should expect him to see at least, you know, double-digit touches, a couple uh, targets through the air as well. I think he's safe for, you know, 10 to 14 fantasy points. Just don't expect big things from Singletary in week six. 
All right, so it feels like we went through like a million running backs right there, but let's talk about some wide receivers. We'll keep this one a little bit shorter than we typically do. If you guys have star-sick questions, throw them down in the comments below. A like and a subscribe is always appreciated as well. We got four wide receivers that... I think a lot of people feel like are on the bubble. They Some people are going to value them really, really highly. Others are going to say, oh, they're washed, they're garbage, don't start them. Let's talk about some of these guys. We'll get deeper as it goes along, as we usually do. But Jamison Crowder is an auto-start at this point, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got to roll him out there. It makes no sense. We've known he's you know a PPR lord for a while now, but he's, he's producing, man. He's getting targets. Even in a rough offense, he doesn't even need the touchdowns if he's getting 10 targets a game. So you're starting Jamison Crowder. It's a funnel volume type situation. And right now, the three games that Crowder started, he had 24 fantasy points, 17 fantasy points, and 26 fantasy points. Every time you've plugged him in, he's been fantastic. I think you've got to keep doing that here, even against a Miami Dolphins defense that has improved from last season. I think it's still a, a solid enough matchup. And whether it's Joe Flacco or Sam Darnold comes back, Crowder is an instant plug-in just for that volume. I won't spend too much time on it, but where do you think Crowder ranks in terms of PPR points per game? Oh, he's definitely in the top five. He's second behind Devontae Adams. So you're starting Jamison Crowder until further notice. Exactly, exactly. Emerging here at 27 years old. Happy for Jamison Crowder. But let's talk about DJ Moore. And although the fantasy outing was pretty nice against Atlanta, fantastic matchup. We all know that. He was... You know, a lot of people were telling you to start DJ Moore, but he's still clearly that the 1B to Robbie Anderson's 1A. Robbie Anderson saw double-digit targets in this game. DJ Moore only saw five. And Alex, I know we were talking about it last week. The problem with DJ Moore this year is actually not the volume. He's getting almost the same amount of targets as Robbie Anderson, even though he didn't here in week five. But where DJ Moore is struggling is in yards after the catch. He was eighth and yards after the catch in 2019 this year he's not even in the top like 30 the yards just aren't there and that's really where dj moore makes his hay he had the touchdown in week five i think a lot of people are gonna plan on starting him again i'm probably willing to plug him in there as a flex which means i'm tempering expectations on what he's going to be able to do in week six against chicago with robbie anderson really being the go-to guy for teddy bridgewater yeah i'm willing to flex him because it you know for where you drafted him you probably don't have a better receiver option because you spent that draft capital on DJ Moore. He's had a couple nice games this year as well. Like he hasn't absolutely cratered your team. And it was nice to see him have the breakaway touchdown last week. If it wasn't for that, though, it was a real bust. And a tough matchup against the Bears, you know, it's not ideal, but I am still willing to flex him. I think you're going to be really scraping the bottom of the barrel and, and stretching it to find a better option right now. So, you know, I'm still playing him over Chase Claypool, who's going to be a hot waiver wire pickup. I'm still playing him over, um, you know, the T.Y. Hilton's of the world over T. Higgins over Justin Jefferson. I'm playing him over those guys, um, you know, but he's he's a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three for me this week in a tough matchup, but definitely still willing to roll him out there. I'm going to give you a couple of comparison points. DJ Moore or Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown has Philadelphia this week. I'll I'll take Hollywood Brown. DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson, both against Chicago. Ro oh, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is the one there. You're. You can't look at the production and not have Robbie Anderson higher than DJ Moore. You just can't. All right, last one here. Odell Beckham against the Steelers or DJ Moore against Chicago? OBJ. OBJ. 
Yeah, so you're, you you probably have DJ Moore in that low end wide receiver two range, maybe even behind some guys like AJ Brown, Tyler Boyd, oh, yeah. Darius Slayton. So yeah, we got DJ Moore as kind of like a, a sit him if you can. If you have a surplus of wide receivers that all have great matchups, I'm willing to sit DJ Moore. I know it sucks because you you put decent draft capital into Moore, but at this point we have enough new information that tells us that he's worth a sit in tough matchups. But let's talk about a guy who you are probably sitting in week five when he absolutely exploded. It's Brandon Cooks. Had 12 targets against the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> caught eight of them for 161 yards. That's 20 yards per reception. Had a touchdown in the game as well. A 30-burger here in week five for Brandon Cooks after putting up a goose egg, in a zero in week four in an easy matchup against Minnesota. So what do we do now with Brandon Cooks? Is he going to fall somewhere in the middle? Or was this just a flash in the pan? Where are you at with Cooks? You got to start him. There's a lot that's changed for this team. I mean, Cooks had a couple of good... I mean, week two, he had a good game. Five for 95 against Baltimore on eight targets. So he's done it already this season. Has had a couple struggles as well. But now Bill O'Brien's gone. Deshaun Watson, you know, is really opening it up. Finally got a good matchup there away from that Chiefs, Baltimore, Pittsburgh start. I know the Minnesota was matched. The Minnesota matchup was good and he disappointed, but you can't look at what he did and not be willing to start him this week. I think he's in that flex territory. We talk about DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks. I would probably go. Oh, wow. That's a tough one. (laughs) DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks. I'd probably go DJ Moore. Cooks at that point would feel a little bit like point chasing and Moore has been a little bit more consistent. But if you want upside, I think Cooks is your guy. He is a boomer bust player right now. You just have to roll him out there in your flex knowing he could get you this 30 piece or he could be as low as zero. So that's that's who you drafted in Brandon Cooks. I think he's, you know, kind of in that Darius Slayton type territory where it's all or nothing. Um, but I'm I'm willing to start him this week against the Titans. Last one here, another great matchup in week six. It's Preston Williams against the New York Giants. And we saw the emergence from Preston Williams. There were a lot of concerns. You know, he hasn't put up double-digit fantasy points at all this year until week five against San Francisco. You probably had him on your bench, and he gets four receptions for 106 yards and a touchdown in that game. For Preston Williams, the concern really was the ACL injury that he had in 2019 that's now been surgically repaired. Like, is is he fully back? There were some questions of, is he confident to put all the weight in and make the cuts that he needs to on that knee? Are you chasing points here? Was this a flash and a plan? Was this something matchup dependent? I'm probably desperate if I'm starting Preston. Yeah, I'm not. I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I think Preston Williams is going to be a productive player. He's a wide receiver four or five. I'm trying to bench him because at this point, it's it's one of those things. If you know you have bye weeks injuries, you plug him in as a desperation guy, and you hope that the week he had last week is the week he gives you, but still less than 60% of snaps, still only five targets. You know, he's one of those guys that's like one play can make your week with Preston Williams. And it's going to happen a couple times in the course of the year where he's a really solid start. I'm just not going to roll the dice on it. Against the Jets, it is a good matchup. But what we saw with the Colts when they played the Jets, their defense jumped on the Jets and they got out to an early lead and they ran the ball the whole game. So you got to take that into consideration. After seeing what the Dolphins just did to the Niners, they could come out and punch the Jets right in the mouth and they might not need to throw the ball all that much. So I'm trying to sit Williams this week. Yeah, I'd set him too. That 106 yards he had in week five or is it were a career high for him. So he's not a guy that's it's really ever exceeded 100 yards. And to see that, it does feel like point chasing. And to your point, even though the matchup looks great on paper and you might say, oh, 20 points last week, now he's against the Jets, plug him back in. I think he's a little bit more boom bust than a lot of people expect him to be. 
So let's get into one of our favorite segments every single week. These are our week six starts of the week. We're going to go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And what these starts of the week are, guys, we want to put our stamp of approval on players that may be coming off a disappointing performance, guys that are in some tough matchups. So we want to tell you, hey, plug them back in there. And if you need a streamer, I'm going to go ahead and start with my quarterback start of the week because it's Kirk Cousins against Atlanta. And it's pretty straightforward at this point. Atlanta is one of those teams where if you see a, a, a quarterback up against the Atlanta Falcons, they're streamable. In a worst-case scenario, if they're not already on a roster. And in that situation, Kirk Cousins, to me, is a guy that you can plug in if you need a streamer with all the bye weeks, with all the COVID issues and cancellations and postponements and, postponements and things like that. I think you do a lot worse than Kirk Cousins in this really, really soft matchup. And I know that you know this is a run-first team. Uh, but this season, Kirk Cousins is actually willing to sling the ball. Right now, he's 11th in yards per attempt. And Dalvin Cook now out of the lineup. Now, I think Alexander Madison will be able to step in and be productive. But even with that to the side, I think they are going to rely on Kirk Cousins a little bit more. And the air yards have been there for Kirk Cousins. So for a guy that, when he throws it, he's getting you a little premium with that extra yardage in there. Could have some touchdowns. I'm willing to plug in Kirk Cousins in this super easy matchup. I like that one in my start of the week, Steph. We talked about him earlier. It's Andy Dalton. The red rifle is back, and this nice. is just a function of the Cowboys. The The blueprint hasn't changed for what this offense is going to do, and the reason that the offense is going to do what it's going to do is because they're giving up 36 points a game on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to need to throw the ball, and they're going to need to throw it a lot. They're going against the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football, 55-point over-under in this game. Kyler Murray should have no problem moving the ball against this Cowboys team. I think the Cowboys will be chasing points, and Andy Dalton, it is prime time, which makes me a little bit nervous, but you just look at what he did even in relief of Dak Prescott last week, and he had a good game. Came in middle of the third quarter, went 9 for 11, 111 yards, made a couple big plays to Michael Gallup, some good completions to CeeDee Lamb as well. If you lost Dak or you have one of these guys on by this week, I think you can throw Andy Dalton in there and actually get a really solid performance. And one of the things that's been really helpful so far this year, because most of the overs have hit, is just looking at some of the games of the highest over-unders and finding your streamers from there. And right now, this Arizona Cardinals-Dallas Cowboys matchup is tied for the highest over-under on the week. So love that Andy Dalton plug-and-play here in week six. Let's talk about running back starts of the week. For me, it's Kareem Hunt against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You probably were starting him regardless, but I want to tell you, look, if, if you're on the edge, if you have a lot of good running backs and you're seeing him as a flex option because you got him late in your draft, even in this matchup, which is terrible, the, the Steelers are fourth against running backs this season. And even in a week where there's a lot of great matchups for these RB2s, we have David Montgomery against Carolina, James Robinson against Detroit, Miles Gaskin which I think you're going to talk about here in a moment, against the Jets. Regardless of all these RB2s with great matchups, start Kareem Hunt. Make sure he's in your lineup if you have him. We just saw Miles Sanders go bananas against this defense. And Kareem Hunt is now stepping into a situation where he's the lead back and a team that runs the second most run plays per game. He's 12th on the year in carries. He's still getting some targets as well. And is top 10 on the season in rushing yards and touchdowns. So for all those reasons, you got to plug Kareem Hunt in here. Don't let the matchup against Pittsburgh scare you away. I think they're going to be able to get it done. And we know with this Browns team, they want to run the ball, whether it's Nick Chubb, whether it's Kareem Hunt. So I'm plugging Hunt back in 
so, so talented. It's actually crazy that he's still only 25 years old and, and could really be a starter on any team in this league. I like it, Steph. Hunt is legit. He's looking great this season. Now, my running back, a little bit more of a surprise. It's Miles Gaskin against the New York Jets. I mean, look, here we are going into nice. week six, and we got Miles Gaskin as a start of the week. Who would have thought? And who would have thought that Miles Gaskin would be a workhorse running back by week six? I mean, this guy's getting so much work in this backfield. He's getting over 12 carries per game this season. He's seeing five targets a game, which is awesome. His receiving floor has been great. But one of the biggest knocks on Gaskin as any kind of upside to have any kind of upside was not getting any goal line work because Jordan Howard was coming in and getting five carries for three yards and two touchdowns. So now after the San Francisco game last week, we saw Jordan Howard as a healthy scratch for that game. Gaskin finally got into the end zone for his first score of the season. And if Gaskin is now going to give you touchdown upside with the work that he's getting, he's a great play. And they play the Jets this week. Doesn't get much better than that. The Dolphins are nine and a half point favorites in this game, which is just ridiculous. So I think they are going to lead. I think Gaskin's going to get a lot of work on the ground. And he should have a really high floor this week. And if he does get into the end zone, he could be, you know, a top 12 play at the running back position. Very nice. Very nice. Love that Miles Gaskin start of the week there. Let's talk about wide receivers here. And it's one that's in a it's in a scary matchup, but believe it or not, I know the box score is not going to show it. The fantasy production is not going to show it. But Debo Samuel is back. Only 4.2 fantasy points in that Miami game. We talked about it earlier with Jarek McKinnon. It almost feels like for the Niners, we need to just throw this game out the window, not read into it too much. They came out and just got punched in the mouth. Probably expected to steamroll Miami. And then you have the Jimmy G injuries. And that San Francisco defense is having a hard time stopping people right now with all the injuries they sustained as well. So I expect this game script to be pretty competitive, maybe even a a uh, catch-up type game script against the LA Rams who are first against wide receivers this year. But Debo Samuel in week five played 89% of snaps. He led the team with eight targets. He only caught two of them. And that's why you saw the bad production come in. But I think he's fully back from that foot injury. They're willing to put him on the field almost every time they're on offense. So look, I know Debo, you're seeing, oh, seven and four points the last two weeks. No way I'm going to plug him in there. I think he's not only a buy low, but a guy that if you need to put him into your flex spot and you've had him on your bench, you've been holding this entire time and you need him in this week with some buys, some injuries, all these things that are going on. I think it's, it's, I'd be willing to put Debo Samuel in here in week six if I really needed to and expect him to do a lot more than he's done the last two weeks that is a hot take but i like it steph my wide receiver deep shot not deep shot start of the week is justin jefferson someone who i believe you picked last week in a good matchup and he he disappointed yeah. but i wouldn't read too much into it i mean the the writing on the wall was there it was a cake matchup against seattle jefferson has been emerging and this is really me doubling down on what you said last week. Like, stick with this guy. It was a down week, but he's a rookie. He has another great matchup against the Atlanta Falcons this week. You said Kirk Cousins is your start of the week at the quarterback position for the same reason. I mean, the Falcons are giving up 335 pass yards a game. It can't all go to Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson's a great talent. Um, he's seeing targets in this offense. He's getting more snaps each and every week. If you were disappointed by Justin Jefferson last week, I am telling you right now, like, leave him in your lineup. This matchup against Atlanta should yield really good results. Um, and Jefferson's one of those guys that can take you over the top, and one play could make his week. 
and he's going to make a couple other big plays, you know, along with with the big ones as well. So I think he's actually a pretty good floor play this week. And like we saw in week three against the Titans when he went for 175 yards and a touchdown, you could always get that outcome as well. And the upside is there with Justin Jefferson. Yeah, it's just something to be expected, right, with these rookie wide receivers. It's just the volatility, right? The volatility. They're going to have up and down weeks as their rookies acclimating into the league. And that's why I think we saw that down week last week, even in a great matchup. But with that being said, in another great matchup, you've got to plug him back in there. You don't want to have him go off on your bench. And my tight end start of the week is a guy that I've probably had as my pick as a start of the week two or three times, and it's TJ Hawkinson. And really the whole the whole premise of this take is that TJ Hawkinson is now the number two target for the Detroit Lions. Last time we saw Marvin Jones, it's his last two games before their bye week in week five, you know, I know a lot of people probably forgot about the Lions because they didn't play, but eight and two fantasy points those last two weeks. So still on the field for, for 90% of snaps, but only three targets in week three, two targets in week four. The volume has been absolutely abysmal for Marvin Jones, and I don't see that changing anytime soon with a 30-year-old, even on an offense that wants to air the ball out. I think things are going to improve for Marvin Jones, but I'm not expecting him to get back to that you know upside boom player that we've seen him be the last couple of years. Right now, Marvin Jones has only seen 19 targets on the season. It is the number 79 wide receiver in PPR leagues. Where, meanwhile, you have TJ Hawkinson, He's already seen one more target than Marvin Jones, who's a, a wide receiver. TJ Hawkins has been splitting time with Jesse James, and he still had a lot of great production. Right now, he's the tight end 13, even with a bye week. And over the last couple of weeks, his snap percentage has been slowly going up. He's been in the 80 to 75% type of range. And even on limited volume, he's looked to early and often in the end zone. He already has two touchdowns on the year. And in this super easy matchup against the 24th ranked Jacksonville Jaguars, I think you can do a lot worse than TJ Hawkinson. If you have him, plug him right back in off that bye week. I love that one, and I wish I had TJ Hawkinson in more places, Steph, because the tight end <laughs> position is an absolute wasteland right now. And my start of the week is Austin Hooper against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this one doesn't feel great. But like I said, the tight end position is a wasteland, and all you're looking for right now is can your guy get a touchdown, and does he have any kind of volume? And with Hooper, I mean, the Steelers aren't necessarily a great matchup for the tight end but I just can't look past the volume he's getting at the tight end spot. I mean, the first three weeks, incredibly disappointing for Hooper. He was droppable and actually was dropped in a lot of places. Only, you know, two targets, four targets, four targets. That's just not going to get it done. Last two weeks, though, for Hooper, seven targets and 10 targets. He's turned that into 10 receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown in the last two weeks. So if you're getting a guy who's getting seven to 10 targets at the tight end position, you got to take that. I'm just going to put my chips on him keeping that going this week against the Steelers. And if that target volume is there, he should be able to turn in a pretty solid performance and give you a, a nice top eight performance at the tight end position. Hooper's kind of looking like the the Atlanta Austin Hooper here over the last uh, a game or two. I think there's a lot of upside in him. He's still a guy that I'm willing to buy low, uh, maybe after this matchup against Pittsburgh, but I think you can do a lot worse at the tight end spot. Let's talk about, last segment here, let's talk about our deep shots of the week. This is one of our favorite segments, week in, week out. This is where we could throw out our super hot takes, maybe some deeper names, some guys that are lower on the depth chart, guys that you didn't put a lot of draft capital in, that we're telling you, you got to plug them in this week if you need the upside. Maybe you're against a super team, 
and you're absolutely decimated. Maybe you had Dak Prescott, you had Saquon Barkley. I mean, honestly, if you had a top 10 pick, you're probably without your first overall draft pick. And for that reason, I'm telling you, if you're desperate at wide receiver, plug in LaVisca Chenault. I'm expecting big things in this game. The matchup versus Detroit is so good. We saw DJ Chark, who for all intents and purposes is still the wide receiver one for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He went out last week in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury. And we've seen all these other rookies pop off week in, week out. It's almost a motif at this point. C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, and Henry Ruggs. All these guys have blown up one week after the other. And I think this is time for LaVisca Chenault to show what he can do Potentially could even happen on the ground because you can rush the ball against Detroit pretty well too. And if Chanel gets the ball, whether it's through the air or on the ground, he's going to be able to be productive with it. I'm expecting big things in this game. You heard it here first. If LaVisca Chanel puts up a 25 plus fantasy point week, I called it. And (laughs) I I think it's time. It's LaVisca time. I'm all in. I like it, Steph. I really do. And my guy isn't as much of an upside play as Visca, but it's Adrian Peterson against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is someone where if you're in a pinch, you can pick him up, throw him in your lineup, and he's going to get some carries and some volume to give you a nice high floor. I mean, you look at what Peterson's done this season. Somehow he's still getting work. He's getting volume, even in this Lions offense, even at his age, even with Swift and on Johnson there. I mean, in four games, Peterson's averaging over 13 carries a game. And he might get a catch, you know, a catch or two to, to go along with that. And in a matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Steph, I definitely think if you need a high floor play at the running back position, you can do a lot worse than Adrian Peterson. The Jaguars are 25th against the running back spot this season, giving up 133 rush yards per game. And they gave up that explosion to Joe Mixon in week four. They gave up the explosion to Naheem Hines in week one. So I definitely think Adrian Peterson has upside in this game. If he gets 15 to 20 carries in this one, if he can get, you know, 75 to 100 yards and a touchdown, you're pretty happy with that. To me, like, honestly, Steph, I might be a little biased here because I might have to start Adrian Peterson this week. I thought I had running back depth in one league, but Josh Kelly's bye got moved to this week and then Le'Veon Bell got cut. So now I'm kind of scrambling. So I'm trying to pick up Adrian Peterson off the waiver wire. Um, So I can plug him in. It's an absolute desperation play, but I think the floor is there. And Adrian Peterson's been quietly getting peppered with a few targets per game. Just just add a little extra on there to his floor. If he gets one or two receptions, that's only going to give you a bump, get you into that double-digit range with AD. I like that a lot here. And... You know, you're, you're going with the, the deeper options, the waiver wire options. I'm going to go with a guy that has been stashed for a while. You haven't known when to start him. Probably the one time you did, he disappointed. It's a name that everybody knows because you had to take him at a decent draft capital spot in your draft. But it's Cam Akers versus San Francisco. And on paper, the matchup looks kind of disappointing, right? Oh, San Francisco, this stout Niners D that was dominating everyone last year. This isn't the 49ers defense from last year. Get that out of your head. This is a team... That can be ran on. They just gave up 20 fantasy points to Miles Gaskin last week. I mean, he only had 3.6 yards per attempt, but had five targets, caught all five of them. I think Miles, uh, I think Cam Akers could have a very similar type of stat line here. And if he gives you the touchdown, you're going to be in that 20 point range. I know Daryl Henderson has been really the, the main guy in this backfield over the last, call it three or four weeks. But McVay has told us. A lot of his game plan and he's one of those few coaches that if he says something i'm willing to put a little bit more stock in it not like a pete carroll or a doug peterson type guy 
McVay came out and has told us that he will get Cam Akers more involved this week. Akers was dominant to start the week that he got hurt, week three. He has the best profile, both in terms of his production in college and his measurables. He still has a ton of upside. I think he can take over this backfield. Henderson could actually end up having value season long as well. But if Akers gets a large workload split, he's going to do a lot with those touches. I think Cam Akers could be the Chase Edmonds of week six. I love that one, Steph. That's that's a deep shot. Hopefully he can finally live up to some of the expectations that people had. I think if anyone is going to run away with this backfield, Cam Akers, it, you know, I think it's either going to be a timeshare. Like Daryl out... Henderson's not running away with the backfield. We've seen that. I mean, he had an explosion game and then did nothing. Malcolm Brown's not going to do it either. But if Cam Akers starts to get hot, I could see him starting to get that incredibly massive workload. I would float some deals out there. Maybe you have a disgruntled Cam Akers owner. I mean, I he was able to get him dropped. off of waivers. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I was able to get him off waivers. So I have him stash him and DeAndre Swift. It's like one of these two guys is going to pop off. They need to be on my roster. So Akers is not only a season-long stash, if you can, can float out just a, a small offer for him. See if you can move Kenyon Drake for Cam Akers. Um, something like that. You Whoa, 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 whoa. Give me Kenyon Drake over Cam Akers. I don't know. I, I just don't see any ceiling for Kenyon Drake, whereas Akers could be a league. I winner. couldn't let that one slip by. I could not let that one slip by. If some, if I had Kenyon Drake and someone offered me Cam Akers, I would be insulted. But we'll see after this week. We'll see how this thing plays out. Alex, I think that's it for today's show. Been a heck of an episode. Let's go. Fun. Shout out to everybody that's still listening and watching. I know this week we're only able to get one episode out. It's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. With you know, We have real lives out here, but if you want to support the show, a subscribe is greatly appreciated. It means a lot to us to keep the show running. A like is always appreciated as well. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. As always, hit us with those star sit questions, and we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.